Hey leaders, before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you about a free event that I'm hosting, your personal leadership audit live workshop. I've put the workshop together because if you want to stand out as an exceptional leader, you have to know yourself inside and out. Understanding your strengths and weaknesses is critical. And for that, you need a high degree of self-awareness and a commitment to self-reflection. Now, if you're committed to unlocking your leadership potential, then working through a self-assessment like this is going to help you to quickly identify a path to higher impact. I'll be leading you through a deep dive into the seven imperatives of my No Bullshit Leadership Framework, so that by the end of the session, you'll know exactly what areas you need to develop if you really want to stand out from the crowd. We're only opening up 150 spots, so register now at yourceomentor.com forward slash workshop. That's yourceomentor.com forward slash workshop. Are you selling a little or a lot? Either way, Shopify helps you do your thing. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. It helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. In fact, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And now you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Most of the business owners who listen to No Bullshit Leadership want to go large. What's so cool about Shopify is that no matter how big you want to grow, it gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash leadership or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash leadership now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash leadership. Hey leaders, M here. We're finalizing Marty's 2024 speaking calendar and he still has a few opportunities available. Now you've experienced the impact that Marty has on the podcast, but that's only a tiny fraction of the impact that he has when he delivers an in-person keynote presentation. If you'd like to book Marty to speak at your organization's event, go to martingmore.com or send us an email at hello at martingmore.com and we can chat about how to tailor his powerful message to your leaders to achieve real results. All right, now back to the episode. Welcome to the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. In a world where knowledge has become a commodity, this podcast is designed to give you something more. Access to the experience of a successful CEO who has already walked the path. So join your host, Martin Moore, who will unlock and bring to life your own leadership experiences and accelerate your journey to leadership excellence. Hey there, and welcome to episode 250 of the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. This week's episode, Leveraging Parenthood into Performance. I'm going to interview Em. One of the most intractable issues affecting gender equity in the workplace is maternity leave. Companies and countries are trying to find ways to make it easier for women to have families without significant disruption to their careers. But old stereotypes die hard, and according to an article from Harvard Business Review, women who take longer maternity leave are perceived to be less committed to their careers. 
Now, before you start decrying the persistently chauvinistic world in which we live, here's a really important point that we tend to overlook. That perception is held by both men and women. Our CEO, Emma Green, recently became a mother. She's just flown halfway around the world by herself with nine-month-old Florence to attend a mastermind of elite business owners who have built huge companies while balancing the demands of motherhood and family. While she was over stateside with us, we posted a couple of video clips on LinkedIn and other social media platforms, and they went absolutely berserk. Who doesn't love a cute baby, right? From where I stand, motherhood looks hard, and travelling across the world solo with an infant seems unthinkable, but it clearly captured our leadership community's interest. If you're listening to this, you will have to face the challenges of maternity leave at some point, if not for yourself, then certainly for the people who work for you. And if you're a current or future mother, you'll be thinking quite a bit about balancing the needs of family while still maintaining your performance as a leader, and without having to sacrifice promotions, pay rises, and other career opportunities. Watching Emma adapt to her new demands has been super interesting for me, and she's undoubtedly changed her approach to work quite a bit. But our business still maintains its growth trajectory, and after the mastermind in Austin, Texas, Emma's vision is to up the ante on business growth even more. So we decided today that we'd flip the script. In this episode, I interview Em about how the experience of balancing motherhood and running a fast growth business has been for her so far. Em, welcome back to the mic. My turn to put you under the microscope today. Hello, hello. I know I'm actually a little bit nervous, but I think this is a really important episode for us to do. It isn't just an ode to me, it's for mothers and mothers to be, of course, but it's also for any leader who works with women. So that's all of you. (laughs) If you're a male leader and you want to get into the headspace of a female leader who works for you, I'm hoping that this gives you some valuable insight. Em, I want this conversation to be particularly valuable for men who lead women and perhaps don't have as deep an understanding of what you're facing as a new parent. Uh, One of the things I saw over and over again in the corporate world was that going on maternity leave rarely pans out the way you think it will. Some women would say before they went on leave, I want to come back as soon as possible. But then not long afterwards, they'd call and say, can I please have another six months off? Others would book 12 months leave and then ask to come back after only six to eight weeks because they were losing their sanity. Did you experience that feeling of, this is just not what I expected and I have to rethink this whole deal? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So I thought I was going to take at least three months off and that's what the team and I prepared for. But the reality is that I stayed across things pretty much every day. And to be honest, it really provided an outlet for me that wasn't just baby, baby, baby all the time. So just to give you a little bit of uh, background, I had postnatal depression for the first five to six weeks of having Florence and having something else to focus on. So having that work outlet to focus on, it was actually really important to me because I, I got stuck in the monotony of the three hour feed play sleep cycle. And without having that outlet of being able to check my emails or look at something creative or, you know, just have that extra outlet, I think I I absolutely would have gone insane. So I expected to have three full months off. And I think I came back in a part-time capacity after two months or something like that, where I was working maybe three days a week, two or three days a week. The important thing that I, that I just wanted to bring up 
here in this section is that with the postnatal depression, the tiniest, tiniest little things would trigger me. And I had this impending doom mindset. So that's obviously how I knew that I needed to you know, speak to my GP and get help. But that was also having having the work piece that was bubbling on on the side that helped me to get out of that impending doom mindset and think about something that was positive and creative and that the team was still working on and building. So I really found myself wanting to be back at work and maybe I am unique in that sense, but yeah, it, it was honestly a, a massive savior for me. So it was definitely not what I expected and I did have to rethink what I what maternity leave looked like to me, but it it definitely worked for me the way that I had that going. Right. And, and look, I can say firsthand, I felt the sense of impending doom every time I ran a little bit late on a content deliverable. <laughs> so, uh, so I was in there with you, Em. <laughs> now, I remember you seeing some light at the end of the tunnel when you hired a part-time nanny. Having recently experienced firsthand just the constant attention that Florence requires and man it's non-stop and she's a really happy well-behaved and easygoing baby so what did you learn about being present with Flo and still keeping the other plates spinning I had to outsource there's that cliche it takes a village and it absolutely does take a village to to make this stuff work and I honestly don't think in our modern society that women are equipped with the village especially people like me who don't have any family around so obviously you live in Boston my mum lives on the Gold Coast uh, my husband's fam- family lives on the Gold Coast so we don't have anyone around locally who can cook something who can do a load of washing so I had to uh, figure out, okay, how am I going to do this? What is my village going to look like? And what I did was I got a nanny three days a week to help really just give me the opportunity to look after myself and be the best version of myself for Florence, but also to get all those other bits and pieces done that typically your village would do, your family would help you with. So one of the things that I realized about myself and about keeping all these plates spinning is that I had been so controlled about everything. I found it really hard to, I didn't know this about myself at the time before I had Florence, but I found it really difficult to give other people those plates and to really trust that other people were going to keep those plates spinning for me. And that was one of the things that I really had to do if I wanted to be present with Flo and I wanted to be, you know, a a great mum to my other kids, my two beautiful stepdaughters, to be a good wife, to, you know, all those other things. So letting go of control, that first kind of manifested in in our wonderful nanny. I think another really important thing when you're talking about keeping plates spinning is the ability to be able to compartmentalize. So I didn't do this very well before I had Florence. I would be thinking about five or six different things at the same time or I'd I'd get home and I'd be thinking about work things and I'd be at work and I'd be thinking about uh, the girls assignments or you know whatever whatever was happening or my husband was traveling and one of the best things that being a new mum taught me was how to compartmentalize when I'm with Florence I'm not worrying about emails. I'm not worrying about what the team's doing. I'm not worrying about what our community's doing. I'm not worried about social media. I'm not worried about anything else. I'm just solely focused on her and vice versa. When I'm at work, I've learned to go, okay, Florence is safe. She's fine. She's happy. I'm just working on the work stuff now. And that 
has meant that I'm completely present in what whatever I'm doing and giving my fullest to whatever the task is that I'm needing to do at that point in time. And that has been an absolute game changer for me in terms of being present for anyone in my life, in Florence, husband, family, whatever, and also bringing my best self to work. So it, it really taught me where your body is, let your mind be there as well. And just relax about not getting back to everything straight away. Just let some of those um, plates fall and see what happens. And and most of the time, nothing bad happens. It's uh, it's just the fear of them falling and what will happen that actually sends you into a bit of a tiz. Yeah, that's very, very insightful. And, and particularly something that I learned throughout my executive and CEO career is that you can't get to everything. You've got to make choices and you've got to be okay to let go. And some stuff isn't going to get done. That's why, you know, the way we talk about focus on the highest value levers is the most important concept to grasp, if you'll pardon the pun. So, now, you've just finished the mastermind with the wonderful Natalie Ellis and a select group of entrepreneurial women who've grown massive businesses in the US while still raising young children. I know this is a lot different from corporate jobs. We have to struggle against well-meaning but often ill-formed HR policies and the sorts of prejudices that I mentioned in the intro. Uh, and I know you've covered a lot already, but without breaching any confidences, what were the predominant themes coming from this group of high-powered women who've had huge success in business at least? Okay, the first thing, and I've touched on this already, is they outsource. So they have their parents or family members really involved in their lives. Uh, if they don't have those people around them, they might have nannies or housekeepers, cleaners, food delivery services, whatever they need to be able to spend time running their businesses and being able to spend time with their families, that's what they prioritize. So making sure that they're not doing those things that you know they could pay someone else to do um, and that they're, they're really, I suppose, protective of their time, where they spend their time and what they spend their time on. I think one of the things that I also saw was that they really prioritize their well-being so that they don't burn out. Like they know that their well-being keeps everything else running. If they're not happy mm. mentally and physically, then everything else is going to fall down around them. So their businesses and their, you know, their family. So that is something that I definitely learned because I'm not very good at doing that. So that's something that coming back from this mastermind, I'm putting a lot more effort into. And uh, I think, you know, coming back to leadership, they build capable teams so that they're not in the weeds. Like they work at the right level and they expect a lot from their people. They have very high standards. And that is the, the letting go piece is, is quite amazing, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're an executive within a, an organization, being able to work at the right level is the key to everything. Like they spend time being CEOs. They're spending their time on the most valuable activities and strategy and, you know, really training and leading their people to be the best versions that they can be. So they don't have to be in the business 24-7 in the weeds. And yeah, that was definitely something that I saw shine through is that they really trusted their teams and they had built really strong capability around them. Um, when you talk about you know working at the right level, making sure you're staying out of the weeds, which I know you're focusing on a lot more these days, has that become harder or easier? I, I know the focus is there, but have you changed the way you interact with the team at uh, YCM Global HQ, as we like to call it? Yes, definitely. And this is the stuff that I want to share for people who are actually leading mothers. After having Florence, I realized that I had to get the same amount of work done in less time. But what was really interesting was that my focus and my productivity 
it doubled, if not tripled. Like I just, when you only have a certain amount of time to do something in, there is no waffling. There's no procrastination. You just get in and you do that thing because you don't want to have to go back and redo it or double handle it or anything like that. So I've definitely been far more disciplined with batching and scheduling things in like review time or deep work. When I have to do that stuff, I put it in my calendar now and I go, this is the time that I'm going to do it. And sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes Florence wakes up early and that's it. You know, my my hour deep work session turns into a 20 minute session and I have to figure out later in the day or the week when I'm going to do it. I also delegate much better now because I literally don't have time to do the things that I used to just tinker with. I just go, oh, I'll just spend a little bit of time tinkering here or tinkering there or, you know, having a play with this. I don't have time to do that anymore. So I delegate so much better because I know, okay, I want this done by this timeline so that we can keep moving forward fast. I think I also put a lot more trust into my team and it has absolutely paid off. Like I thought I trusted them beforehand and now they've become so much better in their roles because they're not looking to me all the time to make decisions. And I think I had unconsciously trained them to look at me for the final answer, even if they did all all the work getting up to that point. Now they're really confident to come to me and say, done this work. This is what we think. This is what we're going to go ahead with. Let us know, you know, if there's, if you've got any issues with it. Ah, so you're actually keeping the accountabilities pure now. Well, yes. And I thought that I was keeping the accountability structure really tight before, but nothing compared to now. Um, So I think, look, overall, it's increased everyone's capability, not just mine. There are a couple of things that I, I still need to work on. So I'm not in the office as much as I want to be. And that's something that I'm working on changing. We do have a hybrid work model, as you know. So we do work from home days and work in the office days. But I'm probably only in the office maybe two days a week for four hours or so. And I just think me physically being with the team, it keeps us all hyped and happy because I am the visionary and the driver of all this work. And so it kind of just keeps us feeling um, yeah, more together as a team. And I get a lot more done when I'm not at home thinking, you know, hearing Florence do something cute. And then I quickly run downstairs to see if she's crawled. <laughs> so that's something that I'm that I'm working on. And I would say that my communication has got both better and worse. So I'm a lot clearer in my communication, but it's more sporadic. And so that's something that I'm working on as well. You started this question by saying, what has changed in the way that you interact with the team. I'm probably less available than I was immediately and I'll send emails and slacks at different out-of-hours times. But at the same time, I'm a lot clearer with the team about what I want and there's a lot less fluff. So it's really just me working out um, yeah, how to get the best of both worlds when it comes to that. Mm, right. Yeah. And and of course, because we do have such a good team, you can actually have confidence in the fact that when you delegate something, it's going to get done well. So so that's exactly. a, that takes a load off your mind, which is you know, once again, the reminder, uh, if you haven't got the people who can do the job, get the people who can do the job. That's it. Yeah. So um, I, I know you're a really big believer in utilizing both mentors and trusted advisors. And uh, for our leaders out there, if you want a good explanation of the differences between them, have a listen to episode 183. It was called mentors, coaches, and trusted advisors. And we'll leave a link in the show notes to that one. Uh, But I digress. Now, interestingly, Em, I think you mentor me in all things digital (laughs) product and marketing, and I mentor you in all things corporate business and leadership, sort of a a built-in complementary mentoring relationship. But besides that, 
Have you changed your view on the type of support you need to engage? And if so, how? Yes. Well, you are, of course, my biggest mentor. (laughs) But I think, interestingly, once I became a mum, the mentors that I looked to changed. So that's why I joined that mastermind that you spoke of earlier. I wanted to join a group of people who were just like me, new mums running seven, eight, nine-figure businesses, because I knew that they would be having the same challenges as me. And you can do it in a lot of different ways. You know, there's mother's groups, if your friends have kids, like there's a lot of ways that support kind of comes out of the woodwork. It's support that you need at that particular season of your life. Um, But I definitely wanted something that was, you know, business and mum related. So that in terms of mentoring has been a really great uh, place for me to get support. And I think it's also taught me to trust myself more because there aren't that many mentors in my life that I can look at who have done what I'm doing. So uh, yeah, I think it's that whole, you know, trust your gut, trust where you're going. And yeah, of course, you know, you're always the the person that I talk to when when I need anything. So that kind of hasn't really changed for me. Well, I'm, I'm glad about that too, Em, don't worry. <laughs> so <laughs> So that's awesome. What, but what would you say to the women who are currently contemplating starting a family but are worried about the impact on their careers and businesses? I'd probably say don't hold off on starting a family because of what might happen to your career. Like your life's going to be completely turned upside down in the very best way and you don't know what you're going to want to do after you have a baby. So I think it's that that fear can really hold women back because they think, oh, I'm not going to be able to get in at the same level. If I go on maternity leave, that's it for me. I think you can just waste a lot of time being stuck in the I'm not ready because my career isn't at a point that I want it to be at yet stage. So yeah, I, I, you'll work it out regardless of what happens. If your career is important to you, you're not going to lose that drive and ambition when you have a baby. It might just look a little bit different to what it looks like now, but don't let that stop you. Don't let that put you into the, the paralysis by analysis that can often happen. Mm, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I, I've got to really ask you, I don't think we've quite hit the number this yet. You've told me that the experience of motherhood's actually helped you to lift performance. And even though you're still in the first year of motherhood, it's arguably the most demanding year in terms of your time commitment. Can you please give us uh, any insights on the connection between motherhood, your individual performance, and then how you've experienced the impact on our business? Okay, so definitely more focused. That ability to just click into what I'm doing at any point in time has been an absolute game changer. I'm far more creative, so I can see different perspectives that I couldn't see before because I'm dealing with a brand new uh, you know, type of life and, and I'm looking at things from a completely different way. I definitely don't procrastinate as much as I used to. And I think back now, I thought I was productive, but <laughs> I was absolutely, I would procrastinate so much on things that I didn't need to. And I think, look, I've just had to be a real CEO. Like I don't have the time or capacity to dip down. So I have to focus on leadership more than anything else to keep the wheels turning, to keep everyone moving, to keep everyone inspired and really working to their highest potential. And that is the real work of CEO-dom. <laughs> and that's what I, that's basically just what I have to focus on now. Yeah, right. And it sounds like necessity is the mother of invention. So mm. even though in my view, you're doing these things pretty well before, you've just had to get even better at them and really you know, hone those skills, haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, that's really good, Em. What have I forgotten to ask you? Because we've covered maternity leave biases, expecting the unexpected, uh, keeping the workplace spinning, working differently, 
We spoke about mentors and trusted advisors and how all this links to performance excellence. Did I miss anything? The final thing that I want to add in is that before I became a mum, I didn't understand that they could be such weapons in the workplace. So I just want to throw back to a story. I was working in a kind of corporate environment, a small business about, I want to say 15 years ago, maybe a little bit less. And the receptionist was a mum. And when it came to 3.30, 4 o'clock, she would always leave on the dot. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, why does she get to leave early? That's so unfair. And it's just so funny because a couple of months after having Florence, I thought back to that poor woman that I was, I was not negative to, but I was thinking, oh, you know, I just had this annoyance. I had to stay till 5.30. But I didn't realize that she was absolutely getting all the work that she needed to get done completed by the time that she needed to leave and then she had to go and do a completely other full-time job until probably nine o'clock at night with you know her baby her kids her family and I just think I I really didn't understand that until I became a mum so I think for our leaders who are leading mums and those who are who are working with mums Um, really just focus on the outputs, give them the flexibility without making them feel bad. Like we feel shit for leaving early and having sick kids anyway. We feel worse than you can make us feel. So it's more than likely that they'd rather be working because that's a a lot of the time easier than being a mum. I just think mums are an incredible talent to be harnessing and you can get so much out of them if you aren't just cookie cutter about it and you don't just have one standard way that people need to be in the workplace. Don't look at maternity leave as something annoying that you have to find cover for. It's actually giving you an opportunity to test your processes and to get someone else up to scratch with that role capability, which avoids any key person risk for that role. So it's actually a a positive to be doing that and to getting more capability through your organization. Another thing that I think is really important is communicating with the person who is off on leave. They're likely going to feel really nervous coming back to the office. They may be questioning their efficacy. Try and keep them feeling in the loop during this time so that they come back feeling confident and like they belong in your organization. That's how you're going to get the best out of them. And I think just remember that it is really hard to leave your baby, even if you love your job. So they'll be feeling all those emotions too. They'll be coming back happy, excited, nervous, sad that they're, that they're not with their baby. And it's, it's just something that I I never realized until I was in the slot for this, um, all the emotions and, and how that kind of plays out in your workplace when I guess you, you're kind of meant to just be work, work, work. So Look, my key point here is that you have an incredibly productive and focused workforce in mothers. You may need to be a little bit more flexible with them to retain the best talent, but it will absolutely be worth it because, I don't know, they're literal superhumans with (laughs) limitless energy, creativity, empathy, and patience. And I know that's the type of person that I want to work with and I want in my organization. Well, that's a fortunate coincidence, Em, because that's the type of person I want leading our business too. So thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Look, since we've done such a great role reversal in this episode, why don't you take us out? Okay, thanks, Maddie. Sounds great. So that brings us to the end of our landmark episode 250. 
Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, at Your CEO Mentor, our purpose is to improve the quality of leaders globally. So please share this episode now with your network of leaders, especially the mums, especially the people who are leading mums. That's everyone. The only- share it with everyone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> share it with everyone. The only way we get to unlock the power of our underutilized female workforce is to understand the barriers better. And hopefully I have done an okay job at letting you into what it's like being a mum in the workforce. I'll look forward to next week's episode because Marty has another cracker in store, indispensable career skills for getting to the top. Until then, I know you'll take every opportunity you can to be a no bullshit leader. 